0: Hey, can you stay standing for a second? Two things. One, if I pull in my back pocket, I grabbed one of these. So from Orange County, California, I will be praying for this because of what God is doing. I want you to know that. But secondly, I just want us to prepare our hearts. You know, during worship, there was a sense, such a sense of God's presence. And when God shows up, he wants to do something. And all you need to do sometimes is just give him a few minutes. Yeah. So I'm going to lead us in prayer that you would give him a few minutes to be able to speak. You're a genuine lead into your heart and your mind that could literally change the trajectory, you know, of the next years of your life. Let's pray. Lord, you were here when we walked into this place. Yeah. You met us here, and we thank you for that. Now, as we open your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak, that you would reveal, that you would show us the freedom that you want us to move into, Lord God. For each person who is in this auditorium, I thank you for their life. I thank you that you have brought them here over these next few minutes, Lord. Would you work in a powerful way? We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to share with you a verse you've probably all heard before, but sometimes when you read a verse too many times, you lose sight of some of what it says. And there's one word in this verse that I think is the most important. It comes out of 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and discipline. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and discipline. But then it's time for an honest life check that says, if he hasn't given me the spirit of fear, why is it there? Why does it manifest itself in one way or another? For some of us, fear comes in the way of panic. You can't control the future. And when you think about the future, there's a sense of panic. Oftentimes this happens with our money. Money. So I'm worried about my money, and there's this anxiety that's inside of me. There's a fear of the future with a panic. There's a fear sometimes of our insecurity. We wonder how people will think of us. We wonder how they look at us. We wonder how they measure our Christianity. How do we come across? And people become like a mirror for our own self-worth and our identity, and there's a fear behind that. How will I be perceived And it stops us, oftentimes, from walking in the godly relationships that lead us into freedom. I won't tell people what's going on in my life, really going on in my life, because I'm afraid I will be perceived the wrong way, and fear is there. It stops us through failure sometimes. I tried something, it didn't work out. I feel like God's put a dream in my heart, but I'm not going to give it a go because I have this fear of failure I'll just stay where I'm at. Sometimes there's a fear of pain. I've had a relationship that wounded me and really hurt me. And it causes me not to make myself open to other relationships just because of that fear of pain. I mean, the scripture's really clear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and discipline. That fear that you're sensing, however it may come across, whatever it may look like, you have to first understand that does not come from heaven. The source of that is not God in any way, shape, and form, which means it doesn't have to be part of your life. But then the question gets raised, so why is it there? If he hasn't given it to me, why does it exist? And how can I find myself not having to walk in that? This is what he wants to share with you this morning. So i got to tell you a story. A few months ago, I was going to the airport in Los Angeles to fly on a long international flight. I had checked in online. I had bought my ticket. It was an economy class ticket. So I knew I was flying on this flight. Had done it many times, flying to Egypt, the back of the plane. And I'm not happy about it. Because flying on the back of the plane, long ways over the, it's just not fun. It's just, you know, it's cramped, things like that. So I get to LAX. Late at night, I've got my suitcase, and when you go to check in, you walk past the first class counter, right? You ever walked past that with the red carpeting, and the flowers, and all the happy people? Now here's what I didn't realize. I didn't realize that I had been upgraded to first class. I had checked in at Economy, I had bought an Economy ticket, you know, I checked in online with Economy, so I had not realized that. So I walked past the first class thing, and I grumbles like, "Ah." Why isn't that me? Well, I'm serving God, so there's a crown in heaven for me or something like that. (laughs) So then you go to the economy class check-in, where there's 100 people all in lines, and you walk back and forth, you know, and you wait and wait and wait. Finally, I get to the counter, you know, I check-in. But I'm so sure of where I'm sitting in economy, literally did not check my boarding pass. They hand me my boarding pass, I put it in my passport, and then I got to go through security. Now, if you go through security, there's a line for the people who go through first class. And it's amazing how nice these guards are at security when you're going through first class. In economy in America, if you've ever gone through the economy class line, they're like prison guards. They're horrible. you got to, you know, take all your clothes off and they're grilling you. It's like... I finally get through all of that. I put my clothes back on. I'm going to go to the gate. i got to go to the airport chapel first to repent of all my bad thoughts about the security (laughs) agents at security. I get to the gate, and the flight's delayed for an hour. I still don't know that I've been upgraded. I'm still walking around. Now i got to walk around the airport for an hour waiting to get on my flight. I happen to walk past the first class lounge, and my body opens the doors, You ever seen, seen that happen? They open up, and I peek into the first class lounge. Oh my lord, there's mood music, big chairs, free food, free drink, and as I'm walking by, some businessman cuts in front of me and walks in, and I'm just, I'm going, why can't I be in there? But I'm in economy haven't checked my boarding pass. I have no idea that I've been given this upgrade. Finally it's time to check in. So I go to check in. Do I get to get on the plane? No of course not. Why? Because the first class people get to get on first. It doesn't matter how big their suitcase is. Nobody cares. They all get on. Now when you get on as an economy class person, man your suitcase better not weigh too much. And everybody's fighting to get on because you all want the overhead space. I get to the plane door. I meet the flight attendant. I hand her my boarding pass, still not having looked at it. And she said, oh, Mr. Home," And she points me to go up to the front of the plane. Now I get really frustrated. She doesn't even know where my seat is. I said, no, I'm in the back of the plane. She sticks the boarding pass in front of my face. She goes, no, Mr. Home, you've been upgraded. You're in first class. And it's like the heavens opened up. Oh, I could hear the angels singing. And then I thought about the last three hours of my life. Can I tell you something? You have been upgraded. You do not have to walk through life with a fear of panic or a fear of pain or a fear of the future. But here's what happens. We don't realize what we've been given. So we walk through life going, I guess insecurity is just part of my life. I guess the fear of failure is just what i got to deal with as a Christian. And we don't realize what we have been given so that we can walk, not with a spirit of fear, but with power, love, and discipline. You say, Joel, how do I grab a hold of that? To me, the key word in Timothy is the word given. You don't conquer fear. You are given a spirit of power, love, and discipline. How do I receive that, Joel? How do I get rid of this fear and receive what God has for me? I'm glad you asked that question. We're going to answer that question. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read a story. Again, a story you may be familiar with, but sometimes when you're too familiar with the story, we miss out on some of what God wants to show us. This is a story of walking on water, but it's a story of Jesus walking on water, not Peter walking on water. Because this story is about Jesus and what he wants to give you. Not Peter and what he performed for Jesus. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately. Now Matthew loves this word immediately, and there's a reason behind it. He uses it quite a bit. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, and go on ahead of him, to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, I always thought that was a little weird. How do you see wind? I've never seen wind. But nonetheless, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's look at this story from kind of a fresh view. The story does not begin with Peter and whether or not he should get out of the boat. Jesus sets this whole thing up. He sends them out. He goes away to pray. Then Jesus walks on the water, and he walks a considerable distance on the water, Jesus is the one who comes up to them on the boat. Jesus is the one who tells them not to be afraid. Jesus is the one who tells Peter to come to him. Jesus is the one who reaches out and grabs Peter. Jesus is the one who takes Peter back to the boat. Jesus is the one that they are worshiping and admiring. Jesus is the hero of this story. And it is really important from the very beginning we understand the role of Jesus in the story and the role of Jesus in your life when it comes to fear. Because what Jesus wants to teach them what he wants them to learn and what he wants us to learn is how to receive what he has for us. Not to how sometimes go out and get it. Remember in the Garden of Eden with Adam? Adam received everything. The one thing Adam tried to go get got him in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Everything else he re- received. And here's the story. you got to receive. Jesus wants Peter to receive something. If you don't receive it, if you're not ready for that, what you'll do is you'll stay in the boat. This is about Jesus. You don't have to perform for Jesus. You don't have to conquer your fear. This is not about does Peter have enough faith or not enough faith. This is about what Jesus wants to do. Jesus is the one walking on the water, and when he invites Peter, he invites Peter to do what he's already doing. Getting rid of your fear and receiving what he has for you. It's not about saying, Jesus, look, I've done a good job for you. It's actually about joining him in what he's already doing. Because he never asks us to do something he hasn't already done. He's inviting us to join him where he's at. And even in that, there can be this breath of fresh air that says, the burden's off of me to acquire or to prove or to perform. My responsibility is to receive what has been given to me. This is the love of our God. Some of you are here and you have a fear, one of the ones that I described to you. But maybe your approach has been, how do I overcome this? And in your own effort, in your own way, with the most sincere heart, you have been trying to acquire something. And you find yourself usually not being very effective that way. This is a story about what Jesus wants to do for you. So Jesus comes up to the boat, right? Now, when you listen to the disciples in the boat, here's the characteristic. They are terrified. They're scared. We have a tendency when we read this story to think about it in terms of, you know, you're in a position in life, step out of the boat, take a risk for God. And I'm not saying that that's not a valid application. But there's another thought that I think God wants us to understand. If you look inside of the boat, the people in the boat are scared to death. The boat is not a safe place because Jesus isn't in the boat. The boat is simply a false sense of security. And many of us, when we have this fear, live in this false sense of security. Jesus is calling us to a place of faith where we will receive the spirit of power and love and discipline. And we will not have a spirit of fear. But instead, we choose to stay in what we think is a safe place, but it's a false sense of security. It's not actually a safe place because in the boat, people are terrified. They're screaming. They're really scared. You may be here, and you may have that fear of panic. So you hang on to your money. You don't give it generously. Nobody goes to bed and sleeps better at night by hanging on to their money and not being a generous giver. Your anxiety is not any less. You may have an insecurity, and your fear comes across that way. So this insecurity causes you to wonder what other people think about you. You don't step out and share what's going on in your heart. That individual, they're not at greater peace. They're not at a place of rest. That fear doesn't go away when you stay at home alone and don't build those kinds of relationships. You may have a fear of failure. So God's told you to do something, but you don't do it because you're afraid of messing up again for him. You don't walk that next day with a peace and a joy and a liberty. The boat is not a safe place. There's only this false sense of security. The only way you will ever get rid of that fear is not by staying in the boat, this false sense of security. The only way you ever get rid of that boat is by taking it to Jesus and letting him do something with it. You may have a pain that comes from having been in a relationship where somebody hurts you. And so your response is to say, no, I'm creating walls. I won't forgive that person that doesn't eliminate the anxiety and the fear and the torment. It enhances it where every night you go to bed thinking about that. The boat is not a safe place. It's just this false sense of security. And Jesus wants them to break out of that. So he comes up to the boat and he calls out to them. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come and I will come. And Jesus does something really unusual. He says one word. And when you study the original language, he says it as a very strong command. Come. He doesn't say, Peter, are you sure you have enough faith for this? He doesn't say, Peter, I think you and the disciples should think about this for a while. Pray about this for a while. He doesn't say, you know, Is this the right time? Is this the right season? Now remember, Jesus has Peter's best interest in mind like he has your best interest in mind. And this is how it works, I think, in the kingdom of God. We have a fear that controls us, that sometimes stops us from knowing all that God has for us. We stay in our false sense of security. In order to break us out of our false sense of security, two things have to happen. We have to have an honest prayer to the Lord saying, if this is you, tell me what to do. But the second thing is we have to have ears to hear because he will give us a command. And when he gives us a command, we have to obey immediately. Because if we hesitate, if we think about it, if sometimes we consider it over a longer period of time, we will remain in our false sense of security. Jesus wants them to get out of the boat because they're not safe there. So he says, come. And it's almost like, do it now. Don't even think about it. Just do it now. Trust me and step out. And do it now. this immediacy that allows us to act in a way that we may not act if we say that false sense of security. I lived in Chicago for many years, and in Chicago, it snows during the wintertime. We had a dog, and our dog would always kind of do his business in the front lawn of our house, and then the kids would clean up the business every day. The wonderful thing about winter is the dog would do the business, and then it would snow out of sight, out of mind. For six months, out of sight, out of mind. Dog do the business, another day, another snow. So the snow would just come, and then... April would hit and sure enough, during one week, the temperature would really spike for the entire week and all the snow would disappear and the businesses would be everywhere. (laughs) We're sitting around the dinner table and my wife looked at me and the kids and said, listen, somebody's got to clean the front lawn, who's going to do this? And without thinking, I said, oh, I'll do it. My kids looked at me like, did he say what I just think he said? And the moment the words came out of my mouth, it's like I wanted to shut my mouth immediately. It's like, oh, what did I say? I said it so quick. This is sometimes how God wants to work in your life. He wants you to be immediate. We moved from Chicago to California four years ago. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I've traveled all over the world. And fear came into my heart. Over one area. We had a beautiful home in Chicago. To replace... That home in California would cost me five times as much money, money I did not have. And all of a sudden, anxiety creeped in. Not from heaven. I have not given you the spirit of fear. How am I going to provide a home for my family in a place where the housing prices are outrageous? Fear. I've got this anxiety. We we're going to sell our house. My wife and I decided that we would tithe on the sale of our house to God. It takes 10 months to sell your house in the community we were in during that season. When we decided to sell our house, right before it went on the market, I took a trip to India. I'm sitting in a meeting in India with a friend of mine. He's not even asking for an offering of any kind. He's just telling me about a project. And in the middle of this conversation, I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. He says, Joel, I want you to give him the tithe of your house. And I said to God, well, yeah, we sorted that out. When the house sells, I'll give him the tithe of the house. Sure. One word. One word now now honestly maybe you're more spiritual than me if i take a month to pray about it it doesn't happen if i think back and consider it I say ah oh, let me consider if i get back to my house get my it does not happen now what's god doing he's moving me out of the spirit of fear and I'll show you why and how in a second. But he does this with this immediate command. Peter, come. Joel, now. I believe in a few minutes, whatever fear you may have, God will give you a directive because his Holy Spirit is here in his real, And you're going to have to have a choice. Will I do that immediately? Just like Peter did. So Peter begins to get out of the boat. And he begins to walk. And you know the story. Except sometimes I think we misunderstand the story. Because Peter sees the wind, and Peter thinks he's drowning. Remember the word immediately? Matthew says Jesus is immediately there. This is what happens when we have fear. We think we're drowning. We think we're dying. We think we're sinking. We think our entire world is coming to an end. It's actually not. We're barely going under. Immediately, Jesus is there, immediately he's grabbing Peter's hand. Immediately he's right there for him. He doesn't hesitate, he doesn't wait. Right now some of you have a fear that's in your mind, and it is overwhelming you. You think your world has come to an end. How am I gonna pay my bills? What's gonna happen to my kids? You're actually not drowning. That's why Jesus asks Peter this question. Why did you doubt? I was right there. I hadn't gone anywhere. This was something we were going to do together. We've got to understand that that idea that we're drowning like Peter had isn't actually an accurate idea. You're not drowning. You're not sinking. Jesus is right there with you. And when you step out of that boat, and when you follow the command that he gives you, as much as it takes that initial step of courage, all you are doing is coming to him and giving him that fear so you can receive what he has for you. And when you do that, something amazing takes place. You don't just get rid of your fear, you get something far greater in exchange. Much later on in his ministry, when Peter came to the end of his ministry, he wrote down some of his thoughts. And he wrote down one thought that I can't help but wonder if he was thinking back to this story. Here's what he wrote down for the body of Christ He said this Cast all your fear on him because he cares for you. Peter's saying, when you have this fear, here's what you do with it. Don't conquer it, cast it. Don't avoid it, deal with it. But when you deal with it, when you cast it on him, which means, Lord, if this is you, tell me what to do. And that act of faith is casting that fear. When you do that, you're gonna discover how much He cares for you in a whole new and fresh way. Because the Bible says, what is it that drives out fear? Perfect love. Some of you are looking at your fear. What you need to do is look through your fear to a whole nother dimension of the love of Christ you have yet to experience. And you know that when I take that fear, and I bring it to the Lord, I'm gonna discover a whole nother side of Jesus, a whole nother perfect love. That fear. Isn't just something that keeps me in this false sense of security that fear stops me from discovering more of Jesus And the moment I give that fear to Jesus and there's an exchange that goes on and he gives me Not the spirit of fear, but of power of love of discipline. I'm going to discover something amazing about it Here's what he's trying to communicate to us through his word Getting rid of fear is not just the elimination of one thing. It's actually the acquisition of something else There is a side of Jesus, a love of Jesus, a power of Jesus, a revelation of Jesus waiting for you. And the only way that's going to come is through how you handle that fear. So when we look at our fear, oftentimes we just see it as a horrible thing. We actually could see it as a blessing. You know how the Bible says God takes everything and makes it for good? Do you think that applies to your fear? That he can take your fear? And turn it into good? Peter's saying, take that fear. Cast it on the Lord, because he cares for you, and see what you may discover in a way you wouldn't believe if you will do that and cast it on him, how it will move your relationship forward. You may be here, and you may have a fear of pain because you have been hurt by somebody. So you have this fear of pain, and what it does is it causes you not to have really close relationships. Now, we have to be honest with Scripture. Here's what the Bible teaches. We all go through struggles. Do you know how God delivers us from our struggles? Do you know how he sets us free from our struggles? Confess your sins one to another. So when I'm struggling with something, last night, talk and I had dinner together, and there's a part of ministry that's tough for me right now. I told a really good friend, a friend I trust, a friend I know will pray for me, a friend who will give me wisdom. So I tell him about my struggle. If I have a fear of insecurity, I won't do that. How will he see me? Maybe not so spiritual. Maybe not so holy. And When I don't do that, I don't break into any freedom whatsoever. But when I do that, I break into complete freedom. If you stay in the boat, which is a safe place, a false sense of security, yeah. so you don't do that, then that fear stays you. But when you do that, here's what takes place. So you say, okay, I'm going to get out of the boat. Lord, if this is you, this morning, on June 10th or 11th, whatever it is, you tell me what to do. And those of you who have that fear of pain because of a hurt relationship, the Holy Spirit may speak to you in just a few minutes, and here's what he may say. Forgive that person. Pick up the phone, call them, and forgive them. And you're going, I, I, I. I'll stay in the false sense of security? No. But if I pick up the phone and call them and forgive them, if I step out of the boat to where Jesus is, do life the way Jesus tells me to, do you have any idea the grace and love of Christ you will discover through that? You will discover a whole other dimension of him. Do not think that the boat is a safe place. Do not think that simply singing a worship song will bring you anything. But do not think that it's just about conquering the fear. It's actually about discovering a whole other side of Jesus when you see what he has given you. So I'm 21 years old, and I just started in ministry, and I have the opportunity to go over to India to uh, um, speak at a pastor's conference, 2,000 pastors. I'm 21 years old. I get there, and the night before, the host pastor calls me in, and we sit down, so he can kind of orient me to the people. He says, Joel, I want to tell you about these people, and he talked to me about these pastors, and he talked about how many of them held other jobs and their wives and their spouses worked so that they would put all the money into the church. And I thought about the comfort that I lived in back in Chicago. Two cars, a nice house. He talked about how many of them had driven or by bus or even walked or by train for multiple days to hear me teach. And I thought about how I had flown in on the comfort of a plane and still complained about how horrible it was. He said, I know it's late, but if you could, could you get up tomorrow morning at 5.30? Because he talked about how they all get up at 5.30 and they pray for an hour before they start their day. And I pray, but I thought, you make me up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, ugly. (laughs) He left the room and honestly, I got on my knees and I said, God, I cannot do this. I I cannot do this. Fear and anxiety came into my heart. I, I cannot do this. And I was hoping God would give me a pep talk, you know. Joel, you can do this. I've put you for such a time as this, you know. Lift my spirits. But he didn't do that. Here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You're right, Joel, you cannot do this. It's like, "Ah, come on, God, a little help here. But then he said this, but I can do it through you if I choose to and if you will let me. Now do this. He can do it through me. This is what he's talking about here. You have been given a spirit of power and love and discipline. What you think you cannot do because of fear, God saying, no, I can do it through you. I can give you enough grace that you can forgive that person. I can give you enough faith that you can begin to give that check to me as a generous giver. I can give you what you need, but you got to get out of that false sense of security. And you got to come to where Jesus is. And he said, now, Joel, tomorrow morning, stand up and let me use you. It's what you've been given that you discover. I don't know what it is that you came here this morning with, what fear, what panic, what sense of failure, what insecurity about other people, what pain, but I would ask you, just be honest, not with me, but with you and the Lord. Is there the temptation to stay in the boat and that false sense of security? Because just like he did for Peter, he comes to you. And the two things we do is the first thing is we make an honest prayer. Lord, if this is you right now, you tell me what to do. I don't want to walk in what I haven't been given. I know I've been upgraded. I don't want to walk in that. But you got to tell me what to do. And then when he tells you what to do, give, forgive. Sign up for that ministry that I've called you to do, but you won't do it because you're afraid of failing. Then you got to do that. And when you do that, you have this conviction. It's not just getting rid of the fear. There's so much more of Jesus I'm going to discover. I'm going to discover this spirit of power, the ability to go beyond myself in following God. Peter walked on the water not because of his great faith, He did it because of Jesus. When Jesus came to him and said, why did you doubt? Do you know what I think he's saying? He's saying, why did you doubt me? Why did you ever think I would let you drown? Why did you ever think I wouldn't be there? That's why Matthew keeps saying, immediately, 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 whatever the Lord tells you to do, you have to understand, Jesus is right there with you, doing it with you. When you forgive that person, he will be right there with you, working through you, bringing that grace. When you give, he is right there with you, in every step, whatever he tells you to do. He's right there. He's saying, Don't doubt. I will be right there and he'll be there immediately. He's given you the spirit of love. What he wants is not for you to prove yourself, to show what a great Christian you are. He actually wants you to discover his love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And then this discipline, this steadfastness that Peter needed. Some of you here are parents. And if you were really honest, you may have a fear about your children. They may be young, and you're looking at the generations and the years to come and what decisions are being made in society. And you're going, oh Lord, how will my child, who's now five, navigate the laws of this land when he's 25? Some of you have teenagers, and maybe even some of you have teenagers who have made some bad decisions and they've gone off the rails. And fear has set into you. When Jesus, Paul says, I've given you the spirit of love and power and discipline, it means that, you know what? It gives us the ability to be steadfast as we walk on the water with Jesus every day. Many of you know that two of our children are adopted. Josh came to us when he was five, had a really rough start. Marie and I knew that he would be healed, but he wouldn't be healed overnight. We knew the healing that would come into Josh's heart and soul after his first five years on this planet would take multiple years Are we going to walk with a spirit of fear? Will this kid ever trust anybody? Or will we walk with a spirit of love and power and discipline, a steadfastness over time to see God work through us? What have you been given? There's a declaration of the word of God for you this morning. It's not a promise for the future. It's not an option. It's a declaration of reality. You have not been given the spirit of fear. You have been given the spirit of power and love and discipline. But if you struggle with fear, it's because you don't realize what you've been given. And you don't realize the opportunity that you have to give this fear to Jesus so you can get what he has for you, that perfect love and intimacy. I'm going to close with a prophecy. I think Isaiah somehow, maybe revealed by God, knew this instance would take place. And here's what he wrote in Isaiah 41. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Would you bow your heads with me? We're just going to take a minute or two, and then Pastor Talk will come up and close this. I've got to go to the city campus, but we're going to be obedient to God's word. I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. If you're here this morning and there is some seed of fear in you, first and foremost, you got to know that is not from God, and then you do not have to carry that. It is not part of his design, not part of his plan. You do not have to carry that. You gotta be honest that it's there. You gotta be honest that you've perhaps made the choice to stay in a false sense of security. You're worried about your money. There's fear there, so you choose not to give generously like the Bible tells you to. There's fear of pain, so you choose not to share your struggles with others. And it keeps you trapped. It's a false sense of security. That fear's not going away by staying in the boat. We've got to do two things this morning. The first thing we have to do is follow Peter and pray the prayer he prayed an honest, humble prayer that says, Lord, if this is you, if you're coming to me this morning and you are gonna set me free from this fear, you're gonna give me from heaven power, love, discipline, you tell me it's you. Tell me what to do. If you will give that honest prayer, tell me what to do, then I am so confident because God is real and he is here. He will do that. Just as he told Peter, Come, just as he told me in India, now, he will do that. He'll give you a sense of what you need to do. Forgive that person. Give, volunteer, serve. Whatever it may be, invite your coworker to church. For some of you who have a fear about how you'll look in your workplace, that may be exactly what he tells you to do. Step out of that false sense of security. And when you do that, you have a confidence on the other side of that act of faith is a discovery of the power and the love, the perfect love of Jesus that you've never seen before. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a minute. If I could get a musician up here on the keys. Just take a minute. Lord, we're here before you. And like Peter, this is our prayer. If this is you, right here, right now, this morning, if you've met us here because you do not want us carrying fear anymore, tell us what to do, Lord. By your spirit, through your word, you tell us what to do. Just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As you hear, as you sense that word from the Lord, it may be something you can do immediately. It may be something that may take a little bit of time. you grab a hold of that. Know that He is speaking to you. Don't fluff it off. Find a way to plant it so deep in your heart and your mind that, like Peter, who immediately got out of the boat, you will immediately begin that journey. Lord, I pray for each person in this room I thank you for their life. I thank you for what you have given them. Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts and our minds to what we've been given and what we haven't been given? To anybody who is here, Lord God, and there is that seed of fear, of panic, and anxiety, and insecurity, of pain, Lord God. May they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that That doesn't have to be part of our life. You haven't given that to us. I am so grateful, Lord, that you walk on the water to us. You don't let us language in a false sense of security. You call us to you, and you walk with us. I pray more than anything, Lord, each person here as they are hearing your command, your directive, I pray that they would have such a conviction, a confidence, Lord, that they will fulfill that word from you not alone, but you are right there with them. That you are immediately by our side. For any person here who feels like they are drowning, may they know that they're really not, that you're right there. We have no reason to doubt your perfect love. Thank you that you have given us a spirit of power, of love, of discipline. Teach us not to walk in fear, but in an intimacy with you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen and amen. Thanks, guys.